Hi, I'm Doyen Sola. And I'm Joyce. And you're listening to The Confidant. A podcast discussing the news you need to know at the intersection of business, technology, and culture. On this episode, we're going to fill you in on the new live streaming trend taking over TikTok, over-the-counter birth control in the U.S., the battle over Aretha Franklin's estate, and the Barbie movie marketing machine. But before we get into all of that, Joyce, how have you been? I've been pretty good. I just came fresh out of Curl Fest, which happened this weekend in New York City. It was a beautiful celebration of Blackness, Black hair, and Black culture. We ate, we danced. I got to see a lot of people that I know there in their best outfits, ready for the gram, ready for TikTok. And it was just a good time. Curls Fest always looks like it's so much fun every year. I'm curious, though, was there any live hairstyling exhibition? Like, I always imagine there are people like, yeah, like, okay, you got 30 minutes, transform this Afro into something artistic, magical, you know, was there anything like that? I didn't necessarily see that on stage, but I did see a lot of people styling their hair throughout the park. So essentially it's like a picnic style. There are a lot of stands and tents put up where vendors can be or people selling food or drinks. And I saw a lot of people taking the samples and the products that they got from the vendors and just doing their hair on the spot. So I thought that was pretty cool because when else can you just sit in a park full of a bunch of other black people and get your braids done and nobody's looking at you funny. It's just, it's just what we do. I love that so much. I feel like I need to go next year. It's been on my list of things to check out, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. It's definitely a staple event to hit up. And of course, when you go, you know you have to put on your best. Make sure you look fly. Of course. What have you been getting into lately, Doyen? This weekend was pretty chill. Today, though, I went over to this event called The Hill, where essentially they live stream the final matches of the Wimbledon tournament. And I was supposed to watch the men's singles final this morning, but this summer and rain and it ended up ruining my plans this morning, but I was able to make it over in the afternoon because so many people had been turned away from the inclement weather. They canceled the second half of the event. But for what I was able to attend, it was pretty dope. You have hundreds of people that come from all over New York City that are huge tennis fans. And they sit in this like green field right next to the water and they watch tennis. I definitely am going to go back next year and hopefully we'll have better weather next summer because I don't know if you've been noticing it, but it rains during the weekend. But then during the week, it's clear, it's sunny. Soon as Saturday hits, it's like, how many inches of rain do you want? And I'm going to sprinkle in some thunder and lightning. Well, you know the U.S. Open is coming in August, so hopefully the weather holds off and we can go enjoy a little tennis action there. For sure, for sure. 
let's get into the world of streaming. So a woman named Pinky Doll has people wondering what in the world is going on on their live feeds. Pinky Doll has bleached blonde hair, wide eyes, a low cut top usually, and flawless glowing heavily filtered skin. And she looks almost unreal. This is what's drawing people into her. But when they stop and watch her videos, they're hearing her say things like, mmm, ice cream, so good. (laughs) Over and over again. She's supposed to be an NPC, which stands for a non-playable character. It is the style of streaming where people act like video game characters that are in the background of the game. So when you're playing, they're the ones floating around and you can't really talk to them, but they may interact with you in weird ways. Are you talking about the people like in the background that are like, hey, watch where you're going? Exactly that. People can actually interact with them. So breaking that wall and get them digital gifts. And these show up often as emojis in the software, whether it's TikTok or Twitch. The icons are like a cue for the creators to give certain responses. An example for Pinky Doll is that whenever someone sends over an ice cream cone, she goes, mmm, ice cream, so good, and makes this slurping noise. And it's really bizarre, but it's really captivating. This combination of characteristics made her go viral because it's not normal to see a Black woman in this space, and people are looking at her like, what is she doing? Now, what I've seen the past few days on TikTok is that this style of streaming is now spreading and becoming more popular once they realize how lucrative it is. I saw one TikTok that said, POV, you find out that Pinky Doll makes two to $4,000 per live stream. Now they're trying to copy the similar mannerisms, basically making themselves NPC characters and they go live and they have people interact with them. Because the key here is that in order for someone to send you an emoji or an ice cream cone, in Pinky Doll's case, they're essentially giving you a monetary gift. Yes, you have to pay for these gifts in the app. They're not free. And so people are putting their real dollars in to be able to interact with these characters and get them to do these funny things. Like for some, it's just a form of entertainment. And for others, it's a fetish. This is a style of streaming that is considered still safe for work, but has sexy elements to it that people are really drawn into. And also these creators build loyal fan bases that support them through their online journey. This is just so interesting because someone who is going live five times a week, let's say, and is making two to $4,000, that's a pretty decent income. That's beyond decent. It's pretty good for just having to sit on the live stream for maybe one to two hours and, you know, (laughs) make these repetitive movements for the entertainment of your viewers. I wonder if this is really going to take off in the live streaming space on TikTok. For a while, we have people randomly peeling boiled eggs or raw eggs. We have the people that were live streaming as they were sleeping. I always get the wig lady that's trying on tons of different wigs. And now I think we're going to start to see more of these NPC characters. I think people gravitate to whatever they think is going to make them the most money at the time. I remember the people racing marbles on treadmill or racing marbles down a hill. People 
breaking glass bottles down staircases, whatever the hot trend is, that's what people will jump on. This feels a bit different because it is a niche of the internet that just so happened to break into the mainstream. I've seen other women of other ethnicities, mostly Asian, doing this and now seeing a black woman doing it, I think really broke the mold and introduced this style to a whole new audience. Whether those new creators who are just jumping in on it because they saw Pinky Doll doing it stay, that's their prerogative. But I think Pinky Doll and her and her other NPC streamers, they have a long career ahead of them, at least enough to be able to stack up some money and, you know, flip it. On July 13th, the Food and Drug Administration approved the oral contraceptive O-Pill for over-the-counter sales, making it the first hormonal birth control pill available in the U.S. without a prescription. This is a major win for medical groups, which have been pushing for over-the-counter birth control pills for years. Now, over-the-counter birth control is available in over a hundred countries. So the U.S. has definitely been behind in making birth control accessible to people of reproductive age. I'm surprised it took the U.S. this long to make this a thing. I remember when I first started taking birth control myself, at the time it cost me about $30 per month. And that was a lot for me as someone who was in college and just starting this new medication that I didn't need previously. You can spend a lot out of pocket, or at least you did until the Affordable Care Act came along. When that passed, my costs went down to zero. The Affordable Care Act requires health insurers to cover at least one prescription contraceptive as a part of their benefits, but not any over-the-counter medication. So pricing is really going to depend on what the manufacturer wants to set it at. I think the timing of this is very important to note, too. Definitely. This is coming at a time when abortion bans are being signed into law across the country, and almost half of the 6.1 million pregnancies in the U.S. each year are unintended, according to the FDA. This is going to be a game changer for women around the country that now have limited access to reproductive care. But you make a good point that depending on how the manufacturer chooses to price this pill, it could still remain inaccessible to a lot of people. And what's considered expensive to one person could be totally different for another person. There's research coming out of Harvard and UC Berkeley that tells us that even a small cost, as little as $10, can discourage people from using a medicine that they need. It's not just the medication costs. The main hurdle for someone getting contraceptives is getting to a doctor to prescribe it. It takes a lot of time and money to seek a physician and wait months or weeks for an appointment to come about. That's so real. Emphasis on time. Like you could wait months to even get in front of a doctor. And, you know, sometimes the first birth control pill you're prescribed isn't even the best match for you. So then you have to go back again and try a new one. So I'm really curious how this is going to work without having a physician there to be able to give you feedback in whether or not this is working properly. Maybe you should try another brand. It makes me think about whether birth control is one of those medications where it might be better to have a doctor to prescribe it just so that you're getting close attention and care 
when it comes to the impact that it's having on your body, especially since it's a hormonal medication? I totally agree. A lot of the criticism I've seen towards this FDA's decision is that this will be an incentive for people to not go to the doctor in that they don't necessarily receive the face-to-face instruction on how to take the medication and other sexual health questions that come along with a regular exam. But we have to remember that in our own parents' lifetime, in 1984, ibuprofen, which we know as Advil, became an over-the-counter medication. Perhaps when they make O-Pill available to the public, they'll be sure and diligent to provide all of the instructions necessary. And it could really change someone's life. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I need you to respect my will. Even though it was in my couch cushion. Now on to the estate of the legendary Aretha Franklin. Her handwritten will that was discovered in her couch cushion after she died is being considered a valid will by a Michigan jury. The battle over her estate ever since she died from pancreatic cancer in 2018 caused so much tension between her family members, especially her sons. So let me get this straight. Her sons are fighting over her handwritten will because she didn't take the steps to have a formal one. Right, and even more complicated, she wrote her wishes on two separate wills. So the first one, the one that was just declared valid, was written in 2014, and that's the one that was in the couch cushion. But the one previously was found in a locked cabinet, and it was dated 2010. So the argument between the sons is about which one will govern their mom's estate. Aretha Franklin reportedly had a net worth of $80 million when she died, but the estate now has assets totaling less than $6 million, according to a report by the BBC. So, okay, hold on. So how was her net worth $80 million when she died, but now less than, what, five years later, it's down to $6 million? Well, after her death, she still had a lot of unresolved tax problems, and the family had to pay the IRS through the estate's assets. The differences between the two handwritten wills is that the 2014 version says that one son and her grandchildren would get her home in Bloomfield Hills, valued at $1.1 million when she died. The 2010 version says the home will be split evenly between two of her sons and both will share the income from her music and copyrights. Do you see what happens when things are just not organized? Listen, one thing about me, I'm never going to fight nobody for no assets. If my mother didn't put it in a will, I don't want to. I'm not fighting nobody. I'm not fighting siblings. I'm not going to court. I don't have energy. (laughs) You're not pulling up to court with the Bob, right? Like the good court Bob to debate and state your case. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Everyone should be serious. Take your will to your attorney. Have a trust so you can have peace of mind. And so your children won't be fighting each other in your absence. Like, how often does this happen? It's ridiculous. She's not the only celebrity to do this. Other famous people who died without a will include Prince, Bob Marley, Amy Winehouse, Bono, 
a will is designed to protect your property upon your death. And it spells out exactly who gets your stuff in what amount. It's sad to see that a family had been broken apart because of all of this tension. I don't I don't give out financial advice, but to our listeners, get that will together. Get a trust. Go talk to an attorney. A licensed professional. Get your affairs in order. Get your home right. in order. Because if you don't do it, the state will on your behalf. Warner Brothers and Mattel have created a marketing machine for the new Barbie movie, which is set to come out July 21st. Have they? You cannot escape the Barbie marketing, whether it's on the train, whether it's on a billboard. Like in Times Square, there is the huge billboard. It honestly wraps around an entire Manhattan building. But it doesn't stop there. You can stay at the Barbie Malibu Dream House on Airbnb. You can buy a Barbie Xbox. You can shop the Barbie collection at Gap and Aldo. And it's cute. (laughs) And I can't get the Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice Barbie World remix out of my head. Times reported that the Copyright Office and the Library of Congress has registered more than 2,000 Barbie-related works, including dolls, games, and songs for the movie. Are you excited to see the Barbie movie now that you've been essentially convinced that it's going to be a good time? A big pull for me is that the movie features a lot of my favorite superstars, like Margot Robbie as Barbie and Ryan Gosling as Ken. But then there's not just one Barbie or one Ken. You have Issa Rae in there, Simu Liu in there. So many up-and-coming and iconic actors already for me it's not even about the cast i don't even like i don't even have time to think about the cast i'm just thinking about how pink is everywhere like i even subconsciously got my nails painted baby pink this weekend and didn't even realize like it's just seeping into the mental and i feel like i have a social obligation to see this movie i don't care who's in it obviously i'm going to see Issa Rae as Barbie president. But beyond that, I feel like I just have to see it. It's, it's the moment. It's, it's the hype of the summer right now. It's like another amendment in the Constitution at this point. <laughs> like you're going to be left out of the office water cooler talks if you do not go see this movie. And I think the marketing behemoth that is behind the Barbie movie may even be benefiting Oppenheimer, which is another movie set to come out the same day. The marketing is so strong and fierce that people said, what is it called, Joyce? Bar- it's Barbieheimer? Barbenheimer. <laughs> because of the double feature. I mean, when was the last time you went to the movie theater and snuck out and went into the other one? Now, I'm not saying that that's what people are going to do. I'm sure they're going to buy both tickets. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> is this a confession, Joyce? It's not a confession. Let's not be all high and mighty and act like we haven't done a little movie hopping back in the day. Listen, I don't know what you're talking about, okay? (laughs) AMC will not get me, but what I do get the sense is people are interested in the contrasting themes of the two movies. Barbie, girly, feminine, tons of pink, and then Oppenheimer about the creation of the atomic bombs. Speaking of feminine themes, I know that Barbie itself is an American icon 
mostly because of its depiction of femininity. It came about in the late 1950s and a lot has changed since then regarding women and women's rights, our autonomy. So I'm interested to see how the movie plays on those themes because I have seen it take a few digs of like the traditional masculine and feminine role of Barbie and Ken and what that looks like. Oh, Barbie is so complicated because I feel like a lot of the image issues that the average American woman has can be traced back to this Barbie image. And especially for us, two Black women, two dark-skinned Black women, like, how long did they it take them to actually come out with a Black Barbie? So I think that it'll really be interesting to see how they sort of address the fact that beauty does come in different shades and different hair textures like I wonder if that's going to be a discussion in the movie but personally I played with brats growing up (laughs) oh oh I definitely was a Barbie girl so I'm excited to see this in its full glory and I feel like my wardrobe could benefit from a couple of bright pink additions you know spice it up a bit stay in theme for the summer It's definitely giving color of the summer. Like, you should see my nails. They're so cute. So cute. I'm like, wow. That might be my next. That might be my next stop. Give it to them. To the salon. (laughs) And now it's time to wrap up the episode with a little something sweet. Doyen. Yum. What's your something sweet for this week? You know what? I have been trying out acupuncture lately. What? (laughs) That sounds terrifying to me as a person who cannot stand needles. Tell me more. It is a bit nerve wracking, but I heard that there are great benefits to acupuncture. And one thing about me, I'm going to try something new. So you just go in, you lay down. You tell them where you might be having some pains. You can also get it done for stress. My acupuncturist said that it could also help with menstrual cramps. So I'm kind of doing like a combination. And you lay there and she inserts needles in your hands and your arms. I usually get one in my ear, on my forehead, all down my leg, my foot. And then you lay there, she turns off the light, you got some meditation music, and you just relax. And then after like 30 minutes or so, you start to feel like a tingling sensation. How many sessions have you done already? So far, I have done two sessions, and my third session is tomorrow. And do you feel a difference? Honestly, I don't think so. Not yet. But I don't know. I don't think it's supposed to be immediate. I think it's one of those things you have to do it for a little bit to see a difference. If you can see my face right now, I'm like, how many sessions do I need to get pricked for for you to tell me if it's changing anything or not? Like, I I need to feel like I'm floating. I got to give it some time. I don't want to jump to conclusions. I don't want a placebo effect. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to report back. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that new glow, the benefits, all that. 100%. And what about you? What are you looking forward to this week? Honestly, I'm riding the Bachelorette train. We're getting up on episode four now, episode five, and we're deep in the season to where I can start trying to remember these men's names. (laughs) (laughs) 
Charity, Charity Lawson is the bachelorette this year and she has been doing such a good job. But sometimes I question her judgment. You know, the show is always going to play on like the guy who's probably an obvious out, but they keep him around for ratings. And then the guy that you see that she has a lot of potential with and you want them to get close right away. I love a good reality show escape. When I get the time to just dig in and be invested, I go all in. So Bachelor Nation, here I am. So I know that usually they pick the Bachelor, the Bachelorette from previous season. So was she in the previous season of The Bachelor? Yes, she was. And at the finale is when they announce who the next Bachelor or Bachelorette is. And she stood out throughout the season as someone who was just really sweet, gorgeous. She made it to hometowns, but ended up not getting selected. So I think that a lot of people were just not ready to say goodbye to her yet. And now we get to see her in her full glory with her brother sometimes popping up in a couple episodes to try to vet the men on her behalf. They like to do all these little twists and turns in the show. But at the end of the day, it's about finding that perfect love story. Oh, I love it. See, look at you. You buying in already. I like it. <laughs> I used to watch the Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise years ago. Um, maybe I got to get back into it. It's not too late. Like I'm telling you. These guys are worth remembering now. Are there maybe any a couple? Oh yeah, there's definitely a lot of lookers, a lot of bodies. You know that having six abs is a requirement for you to get on the show. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Confidant. See you soon. Bye. See you next time.